We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Got a big episode in store for you guys today. That is because fall camp has started for the Oregon Ducks football team in Eugene. And joining me to break down uh, what he's seen and some of the updates that we've gotten uh, so far is Ducks Digest reporter Eric Berniker making his debut on the Ducks Dish podcast. How we doing, man? Thanks for being here. I'm doing good. Thanks. Thank you, Max, for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, it's a, it's a fun time as uh, we're really getting into college football season now. The calendar has turned to August. Been a little bit of a, uh, a little while since, um, you know, I recorded one of these episodes doing some fall camp preview stuff, but it's underway. You're, uh, you're there in Eugene on scene. You've been covering some practices for us. So kind of just wanted to get some of your thoughts on fall camp have a, a number of storylines that we want to hit on today. Uh, but before we get into any of that, definitely wanted to um, you know, say thank you to those of you that are tuned in live on YouTube, watching the show. You can always find us on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus. And then uh, if you guys are watching us, listening to us rather on the podcasting platform, appreciate you taking some time to listen. Throw some questions or comments in the live stream if you guys are here in the live chat. And we're just going to do our thing and have some fun talking ducks um, we're going to start this show off, Eric, with a uh, recruiting update for the Ducks, and that's a pretty notable one as Oregon quarterback commit Dante Moore has been named the number one recruit in the country by SI All-American. Uh, really great story from John Garcia Jr., the director of recruiting at SI, and man, this is a, a really good achievement and you know, good story for, for Oregon seeing that quarterback really looked like it was going to be kind of a question mark for Oregon in 2023 as some of their top options committed elsewhere. Uh, the Ducks got more in the fold exactly a month ago today. What's uh, what's your reaction to this news? Well, this is a big one for a few reasons because, I mean, at the start of the landing era, I mean, you want – you get a new coach, you want to pick up some recruits, you want to get some traction going early. So picking up a guy like Dante Moore, who's a five-star, is always going to be big. And then on top of that, just him getting bumped up in the rankings is going to be additionally beneficial – and then you've got Bo and you've got Ty currently, you've got Butterfield, you've got these guys currently working it out. So having somebody new um, coming in is just going to give that much more traction to the program moving forward, especially as the Ducks um, in the whole Pac-12, you're kind of looking at the traction of the conference itself because SC and UCLA are going, people are talking about, is Oregon going to be able to stay the powerhouse that it is with all these teams leaving? Is it going to stay as formidable? 
And I just think it's a good look for the Ducks to have um, a guy like Dante Moore commit and then continue to produce. So it's a big day for the Ducks. Yeah, I like that point you said just about how important it is for the start of the landing era. Uh, I remember I wrote just kind of about Moore's, the impact of his commitment, uh, you know, in the bigger picture for, for Oregon. So it's big not only for landing, but also for Kenny Dillingham, who's one of the younger offensive coordinators in all of college football. So important for them to get, you know, their headliner of this class and for it to be a quarterback is definitely an added bonus. I think that Oregon absolutely needed a quarterback in 2023, especially after not signing a high school guy, a prep guy in 2022. Obviously, they opted instead to go with Bo Nix, who has two years of eligibility remaining. But so, so important to, to show that you can recruit every position. But I think that quarterback is, is definitely the most important position on the field. And I feel like their quarterback recruiting, I don't think I would say it's it's been poor by any means. Obviously, getting Ty Thompson and Jay Butterfield uh, as two of the more recent guys were, were, was definitely a, a big win for them. Um, we're waiting to see what happens with, with those guys, if they're going to see the field at all this year. Robbie Ashford was the second quarterback that they signed in 2020. He has since transferred back to his home state to play for Auburn. But uh, yeah, just it's such a, a big sign of confidence, you know, a show of faith um, for Dante Moore in what the Oregon staff kind of brings to the table and really the the bigger picture that they have, the, the vision they have for the program. Yeah, yeah, you touched on Dillingham. Um, I mean, this is big because you look at the Moorhead offense, you look at some of the Oregon offenses of years past, like it's been a pretty run-centric offense. So as you're looking to establish this new throw game, be more explosive, get more downfield, it's big that you got a quarterback coming in who's excited to be at Oregon who looks like he can really move the ball down the field. So it's going to be, it's going to be huge, or at least it should be, if he pans out as the rankings suggest. Yeah, so I think some of the big things that that John touched on in that story when he was just talking about what makes more such a special talent is, uh, you know, how he processes the game. I think the anticipation that he throws with is is a big part of what stands out. Just putting the ball in the right place at the right time. uh, That shows, obviously, football IQ. He's really good at taking care of the ball. Uh, I think he's only thrown or he only threw three interceptions last year against 40 touchdowns, I believe it was. So, He's approaching, uh, I think, numerous records in the Detroit area. So he's really solidified himself as one of the best players in the entire country. He was recently named the SIL American MVP uh, at the Elite 11, uh, which features, of course, the best quarterbacks from across the country. He had so many big names there. And even at the the 7-on-7 circuit as well, the OT7 uh, event in Las Vegas, he really stepped up there when he was playing for, I believe, Cam Newton's 7-on-7 team. So every opportunity that Dante Moore has to really show up and show out, he answers the call and he just, he just balls out. So I think, um, yeah, it's just another great development for Oregon. Um, I'm trying to think of where their, their class is ranked right now. I think that two, four, seven, let me see where they have them because that's the, that's the one that I like to use has them two, four, seven has them at 15 right now, which is, a pretty solid spot and there's numerous guys that are expected to come off the board here making their college commitments public in these next couple days i think one guy to watch for there is jerry mixon he's a 2023 linebacker out of san francisco uh, i'm gonna have a story up on ducks digest pretty soon actually after i record this um just where he previews some of the finalists that are involved there but either way definitely a, a solid development for the ducks on the recruiting trail yeah super exciting um Getting a quarterback's always good because it just entices wide receivers, tight ends, and every other facet of the offense to come. So it should be really good. Yeah, and, and it's good to have that headliner there. 
at the quarterback position because uh, you're seeing, you know, Jurion Dickey is getting uh, offered by a lot of these big time schools after receiving that fifth star. And like I've said before, I think it says a lot about Oregon that they were there throughout his recruitment and that they were you know, one of those earlier schools to, to, you know, take a chance on him, which kind of feels ridiculous to say because he's such an elite player. Um, and, you know, you figured that anyone's going to want him, but uh, I think, you know, with AM and Georgia offering recently, they don't have a quarterback in the fold. Uh, so that's something that Oregon will have to their advantage here. Um, got one more story before we get to fall camp, Eric. Uh, that is the USA Today coaches poll that was released today on Monday, August 8th. Um, that poll, you know, it surveyed 65 head coaches from the FBS level. Um, the panel is chosen by a random draw, conference by conference, plus independence from a coach from a pool of coaches who have indicated to the American Football Coaches Association their willingness to participate. So Oregon came in at number 12 on that ranking. Uh, the second highest Pac-12 school, the other Pac-12 schools that were involved there were Utah at number eight and USC at number 15. I thought this was a pretty reasonable slot for the Ducks to find themselves at. What were your thoughts on uh, where Oregon got slated here? Um, that, that was my thought exactly. I thought that 12 was pretty fair. The Ducks obviously have a lot of stuff kind of working against them, so to speak. New coaching staff. Um, you've got a whole lot of turnover there. You've got a new quarterback coming in, starting a kind of battle there. You move on from the Anthony Brown era. So there's a lot of adversity going on in the program, I guess, if you say that. But at the same time, you've got a lot of upside. Um, Landing seems to be incredible. The team seems to be walking around him really nicely. Dillingham, obviously revolutionary. So there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Duck fan. I think that 12 is a pretty fair spot. It's exactly where they were last year when they went to the shoe and beat Ohio State. So it's a number that I think the Ducks are comfortable with. Yeah, and at the same time, I don't think that the Ducks necessarily really care about this number, but it's interesting to look at this and then maybe we'll see what the AP comes out with uh, you know, in the coming weeks here because this specifically polls the coaches. So, uh, you know, these are guys that know the game inside and out, uh, know the coaches at, you know, various schools. Um, and I think that it says a lot about them that, that they were able to, that they showed faith in, in landing and in what Oregon has. Because I think even though you have those things, quote unquote, working against Oregon, like you said there, Eric, I think that the floor is still super high for this Oregon team just because of the roster transformation that we've seen over the past couple of years. Uh, the coaches that, that are on staff now, the ones that have come through, the, the recruiting personnel, the behind-the-scenes staff, it's just it all seems like it's working in Oregon's favor. Um, and I think that their non-conference schedule is going to tell us a whole lot about what this team can really do in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. I agree entirely. The coaches um, are the ones who are making this poll. And what the coaches really haven't seen too much of and something that we're really excited to talk more about is Justin Flo. Um, he's been kind of all the buzz over here at, um, in Eugene at camp. Um, no one really knows what it looks like when he gets paired with uh, Noah Sewell. So you know, the coaches know to be wary. I mean, then 12 is just a number. Nothing's happened yet. So it's just a starting place, and the Ducks know that. Yeah, oh, we're definitely going to be talking some more Justin Flo on, on this episode. So make sure you guys stick around for that. Just wrapping this up, uh, the two schools – uh, well, I guess we just talk about kind of the top five. You have Alabama at one, Ohio State at two, Georgia at three, Clemson at four, and Notre Dame rounds out the top five. Of note here is that Alabama received a crazy 54 first place votes, and then Ohio State with five, and Georgia with six. Uh, Georgia's obviously Oregon's season opener, so that's a school that I'm sure everyone's going to be keeping their eye on as the, the season approaches here. But um, with, with those two stories out of the way here, Eric, let's uh, let's shift it up a little bit and, and dive into fall camp. We've had uh, two practices 
for for Oregon so far with, with fall camp. That was last Friday and Saturday. Also had Oregon football media day last week before fall camp officially got underway. Got to hear from Lanning. Got to hear from Coach Tosh Lapoy, the defensive coordinator for Oregon, as well as a as a number of players, uh, all the quarterbacks, uh, Noah Sewell and Justin Flo. So we got a lot of you know new information about this team and, and kind of where guys are at. Um, just kind of wanted to start with some of your you know broad takeaways, or just what it's been like and what you've seen at practice so far. Um, yeah, so this is my first fall camp, and just so far the energy from what I've seen has been incredible. We had. The other day, day two of practice, the uh, players hit the field. I think I saw Lou Poigo run himself a little route and like do a toe tap catch on the sideline. The coaches are just as jazzed as the players are to get out there and play. And that's really, really awesome to see. We're only there for so long. We see a little warm up and a little other action. Um, but the coaches have such high energy. The players are matching it. So it's really, really good to see that. And then afterwards, the coaches continue to rave about the players' competitiveness. So that's really all that you want. Yeah, I think it, the energy is always something that's super palpable there at, at practice in Eugene. I remember when I was there for for spring football, um, you know, walking out and having the speakers bumping, uh, blaring in your ears. It's a, you kind of get excited just even as a media member, like you want to get out there on the field and and you know just see what see what you can do uh, with with the football or run a route or something. So um, definitely kind of a, a familiar tone there with with practices and kind of what's been going on there. Um, I know when I was texting you, like, you know, keep an eye out for maybe some 11 on 11 stuff to see if that happens, but it seems like the access has been fairly limited so far. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe they'll throw the media a bone and show us a little bit more action. Um, but we also got to talk to a lot of coaches, like we said, uh, since things started off. So we have some of those that we can get into. Um, but I wanted to make sure I opened it up, just kind of asking for maybe, you know, what you were able to see at camp or maybe something that stuck out to you in the limited viewing, like we talked about that you've been able to have so far. Um, in the limited viewing, I've seen player who stood out. I mean, you're going to hear about it. I've already brought him up flow. Um, we watched him do a quick drill. They were practicing getting to um, ball carriers. I mean, this guy flies around. He goes very, very fast. LaPoy said it in the interview. He's the type of guy you have to tell him to slow down as opposed to the guy you have to tell to speed up. So he really does play with that next year intensity and in practice. And like in his one game he played, he was Pac-12 freshman of the week with 14 tackles. So just a lot of excitement there because he's, he's really flying around and Noah's speaking so highly of him. So I'm really excited to see what this uh, linebacking core can do. Yeah, to stay on flow for a second, I think one of the the, t- the sound bites that stood out from Tosh Lapoy on, on Justin Flow is that sometimes they're doing walkthrough and it looks like he's just bringing that same intensity like it's a fourth and one and you kind of have to dial it back like he mentioned. So he just seems like he's always shot out of the cannon and he's ready to go. I'm just trying to think of any other Oregon linebacker that has just been this hyped up. I was saying on a previous episode of the podcast that I've watched, I think, Justin Flo's highlights more so than any other recruit that I've covered while I've been uh, you know, writing for uh, this beat and covering the Ducks on the recruiting trail. Um and I think that just the small sample size that we've seen from him, obviously, you know, lends itself to a lot of promise. Uh, but it really just feels like things are falling into place. It seems like he's he should be pretty much healthy. Is that kind of the indication that you feel like you've gotten just from from walk, from seeing him so far? He was limited in the spring, of course. Yeah, so far from what I've seen in the fall, he's flying around. He's going really fast. Obviously, the, the coaches have talked about it. They're trying to limit his um, – just his play they're trying to keep him in a box because they know that when you give him the green light he'll see red and he'll go get it so they've been try- trying to tone it back but he's been flying around you talk about guys who like you've been equally as excited about the only one that really comes to mind for me I mean 
there are some other ones for sure, but Sewell's the other one who comes to mind as another major linebacker in Oregon, like recent history. So it's just exciting to see what they're going to do when you put them together. They're two very different personalities also. Um, so a little more reserved flow, a little more expressive. So it's kind of a fun yin yang there. And I'm really, really excited about it because that's really what I've noticed so far. That's a good way to put it. I didn't really even think about it that way, the the yin and yang, because I know that we didn't get to talk to Noah too much in his first two seasons with Oregon. Uh, but then he did get to, we did get to speak with him during uh, Oregon Football Media Day. Um, and I'm sure there was no shortage of reporters around Sewell as really the, the face of this defense. Um, and I remember it's actually a story that you wrote just from from talking to the players after that media day. It's, it seems like we can all say on the outside that it looks like it's Noah Sewell's defense. He's the most highly touted, highly regarded player on that team. Someone who's getting a lot of draft uh, buzz before the season, but it doesn't seem like that's necessarily the way that he's taking on this leadership role. Um, it really seems like they're kind of taking a bit of a different approach, kind of a team first deal. Can, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, you're exactly right. I asked Noah, I said, KT's gone. Um, Verone's gone. Verone's obviously the general, like who's stepping up, who's taking over that um, vocal leadership role. And he said, it's a shared thing. And that's a, that he attributed to Lanning. Um, Obviously, Lanning's having these, he's all about his connection, which I mean, every coach is going to say connection this, we want to be like the most friendly team, we all get to know each other. But Lanning's really, I think, cultivated it, you see it. Um, they've been having the barbecues, I don't know if you followed Dan Lanning on social media, but he's always got his barbecues going on with the players over at his house, they're going paintballing, they're going whitewater rafting, they're doing all these things together and it appears to be paying off. Um, the team seems to be actually uniquely unified, it's very frequent i feel like the media guys will get out here and say like the team looks like they're clicking this and that but i feel like it's really genuine and it's going to benefit a guy like noah who like talks about liking to lead by his actions as opposed to his words so it's a shared vocal responsibility and i think that's a great thing i think that's a great thing too eric because last year we know about we knew about all the solid contributors that oregon had on their defense you know you had kt you had brendan dorless who we're going to talk about today He's getting a lot of praise and hype in, in fall camp. You had Verone in the back end, you know, managing the secondary as the general. But you lose a lot of those top end guys from a year ago. Uh, you know, obviously KT is a big loss, and then um, you you see a lot of departures in that secondary. So you got to be feeling pretty good about the trenches, just in terms of the talent that you have to work with and and the depth that's there. But I like this approach from Lanning because last year it seemed like not like there was too much pressure, but kind of what I'm saying is it feel like it felt like if one of those key guys kind of got, you know, schemed out of a play or they schemed around him, maybe they just needed some other guys to step up and that wasn't so much the case. But now with this mantra and, and this mentality, it seems like it'll hopefully kind of evenly distribute throughout the rest of the defense. And then hopefully you can just get big contributions from everybody. Cause that's ideally what you want at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, that, that appears to be the goal is to share responsibility and to have everybody do it together. And they've got talent across the board. You look at every position, everywhere they've lost someone, they've gained someone. Christian Gonzalez, a welcome addition. Um, Dante Manning's talked about being ready to step up and take that next step himself. So the loss of Michael, another guy who we didn't mention right there, but he's also gone and like will be missed. But we've, we've really rebooted. Or we The Ducks have rebooted at a variety of spots. And so they, it just seems like they're ready to do it together because they don't really have a... a they don't have a cave on Thibodeau. They don't have that anymore. They got linebackers instead. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break here on the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, talking with Eric Berniker about Oregon Fall Camp 
Don't go anywhere. we got more Duck football discussion for you after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, welcome back to the Duck Dish Podcast. We are rolling right along today, Monday, August 8th, as we record. Um, so, Eric, I think another thing that was interesting that we've gotten out of fall camp so far is obviously hearing from Dan Lanning. Um, and one thing that stood out to me was when he was asked about some of the transfers that he's gotten recently uh, on this year's roster, new additions, like you mentioned. Um, but he was talking about the portal, and, and I have some quotes here. He was just saying how he thinks that there's – a misconception with the transfer portal. And, and some people think that all the answers are in the portal, but he said that the, the answers come from developing your own roster, recruiting young guys and having an intimate knowledge of the guys that you're going to pursue. He also added that Oregon has an in, had an intimate knowledge of the guys that they went after in the portal. And I think we really see that manifested or, or you know, backed up whatever you, whatever word you want to use there with the additions that they had, right? You have Demetrius Martin who comes over from Colorado and you also have Christian Gonzalez, who was previously there looking on the interior of the D-line, Tony Tuioti at Nebraska, and then you have two guys there that follow him, to Eugene and Jordan Riley and Casey Rogers. Um, and then Sam Taimani, this isn't exactly a direct one, but Sam Taimani at Washington, Junior Adams at Washington. So there's all these overlaps, and I think it really speaks to the, you know, specific approach that landing had and, and how this staff really went about kind of trying to fill in some of these holes. I think that they've done it really well. Maybe would have liked to add one more cornerback out of the portal, but certainly, you know, happy with, with what they got. 
uh, and, uh, and Christian Gonzalez, since he looks like he's really that guy, you know, really living up to the billing so far since he got to Eugene. Yeah, Gonzalez was raved about uh, at media day. He was the consensus we asked around. He was the consensus fastest guy on the team. So it's always good when you go to the portal and you get somebody who brings the unique asset to your team. Um, you talk about the portal and what Lanning said, where it's not the end-all be-all. It's not his like main goal to dominate that. It's still so young in his tenure at Oregon. So what we've seen so far is he can go to the portal, he can get guys, he can get coaches who bring guys that they like to the program, which is huge. But then also, like we already we started the show talking about Dante Moore. He's shown the willingness and ability to go after top-tier younger prospects and draw them also um, into the program. So it's really, really exciting that he's hitting on both fronts. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, there's another guy that's been talked about quite a bit here, uh, you know, even just in the past week or so uh, on the Oregon defense. Let's let's stick on him for a bit. That's Brandon Dorless, uh, returning uh, star defensive lineman for Oregon, originally out of the state of Florida. Um, really the face of Oregon's recruiting efforts in the Sunshine State now, certainly a state that they have to get back into. But Lanning specifically highlighted him as a player that he doesn't think gets enough praise, although it's kind of funny to hear that because he's gotten so many distinctions already from his time at Oregon. Um, I think I was, I was reading Graham's story and he said, because he wrote about him today, he said that he was third on the team last year in tackles for loss with seven. So I think it's, it's exciting to hear about Dorless, especially from the players. And then the new staff is, is obviously working to get familiar with the roster and they've identified him as, you know, someone that they think can be a serious key contributor for them. Someone that they can kind of build their defense around a little bit. Um, but it's it's going to be big for him to have a, a really strong, solid and strong season for Oregon in 2022 because it looks like this could be the last year that he's playing in that green and yellow. Yeah, so Dorless is one of the two returning guys for the Ducks who was uh, first-team all-conference on the defensive end last year, and um, he's a difference maker. I mean, last year you played him with KT, and it opens up that much more for him to get in the backfield but now you lose Thibodeau, you bring in other guys, and you bring in Dan Lanning, a guy who had that Georgia defense clicking at such a high level. They were seventh in the nation, I believe it was, in um, sacks last year. So you could bring in a, co- a coach who knows how to rush a quarterback, knows how to get in the backfield. And um, Dorless is just the right guy. He's the most experienced, the most um, praised guy. And he's next up, it looks like, to really head that group of Oregon pass rushers and make plays in the backfield. Yeah, and it's interesting to associate him with the pass rush because he is – someone who works along the interior, you know, he's not you know, one of those outside linebackers like DJ Johnson or Braden Swinson. Um, but he has that versatility to really get moved around and play a variety of spots. Um, I want to say he's probably around the 285, maybe 290 um, mark right now when it comes to his, his weight. Um, and I know that they have guys like Popo Amavai and Keon Ware Hudson who are closer to that three bills, the 300 range. Um, but there's just been a lot of praise about him. Uh, and Noah Sewell said uh, at media day that, that Dorless is the one that makes him look good. He said he holds the big nasties away from him. Um, and then he's like, I'll clean up any mess that you miss and, and you're going to make the play and I'll be there right next to you. So I feel like those are two guys that are really working in lockstep uh, you know, to, to really get this defense where it needs to be and help them take that next step. Um but that was one guy that I really wanted to touch on. I had a couple more topics here uh, in, in our show notes, Eric, but um, just wanted to make sure I wasn't dominating it because you're the one that's there. And I wanted to see if there's anything else that came to mind since we're kind of starting to wind down a little bit, maybe got 10 or so minutes left today. Um, I mean, on the, on the doorless front, you're absolutely right. He's, he's so versatile. He does so much. The coaches have, I mean, Lanning said he deserves more 
Um, and then what you've heard from both Lanny and LaPoy is pretty much they're not satisfied with anything. So, so they're not going to give away anything too much for about all these guys. They're just going to say um, they've said he's doing well, and they said there's a lot more to see from him. So I'm just really excited to see how he progresses within this defense and within this system that we are still yet to see. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's these coaches, I feel like just the – the background that they have, it seems like they're really, whether it be offense or defense, it feels like they're really trying to pull the best components from what they have experienced previously to kind of, right, just give you the best version of all of those, like kind of a mega hybrid of all these different schemes. And, uh, you know, we got um, the the uh, you know the various pressure looks that um, the simulated pressures that, that, you know, we've heard a lot about this offseason from from Lanning. Uh, landings past at Georgia working with you know the top defense last year um, I think that that's very encouraging and there's just so much to be excited about I think I'm just so ready to see this team play somebody else it's just it happens to be a big coincidence that that first opponent are is the defending national champion so I think it's going to be really good to kind of gauge where this defense is at from a physical both sides of the ball from a physicality standpoint and then you know, what, what kind of mistakes do they maybe make early on and how quick are they to adjust to them uh, are going to be some of the things that I'm going to have my eye on as the season gets closer. Yeah, um, I agree entirely. The SEC, um, obviously, it, it is what it is. They produce teams that go to the playoff at a rate unlike we've seen in any other conference. Georgia, obviously, the defending national champion. And Lanning is going to be the coach who has the most insight into what happens over at Georgia. Um, we tried to pry. We tried to ask him, when do you start planning for Georgia, this and that? I've been impressed. He's been very um, professional about it. He said that so far they're focusing strictly on Oregon. So they're working on what they can control. They're trying to get their guys ready because the Ducks still have a lot of preparation to do. But, um, I mean, really, really exciting that we're going to get to start off with such a great test and such a great gauge of where we're at right off week one. Yeah, and to stay on that point, you know, Lapoy kind of echoed what Lanny had said there of, of as far as just being focused on Oregon. He was saying – uh, he was asked, you know, when do you start game planning for, for Georgia? And he was saying, I believe it was sacrilegious to think about Georgia right now because they're just trying to get a better sense of what they have with them. I think Lanning's opening statement after the first day of fall camp, the first practice that is, was that, you know, long way to go. Uh, he's like, you know, thankful we have, you know, 20 or whatever it was practices before they have to, to go across the country to, to play Atlanta. So um, I think that that's one of the, one of the biggest challenges with a new coaching staff is just getting a better handle on your roster. You, you don't have the the benefit of, you know, that staff continuity and having some, like all these coaches didn't work with a majority of these guys, right? We mentioned some of them that had some carryover from their previous stops, but these are all new guys, new, new coaches, new players that they're trying to get familiar with and, and seeing who works best where, um, which I think is, is a challenge that you have to overcome. But at the same time, because you're moving some guys around, I think that you get to see where their versatility can really help you. Maybe you can deploy them in some pretty unique sets, um, some unique situations. So that that's that's tough. But at the same time, you know, they're not the only staff that's having to deal with it. You know, there was the coaching carousel was the wildest we've probably ever seen this past offseason. So I think that there's a lot of pieces and components that are working in Oregon's favor. And I'm just ready to see how they all kind of come together. Yeah, I agree entirely. Um, talk about the coaching staff being young, the coaching staff having the opportunity to kind of get to lay their own eyes on these players and make their own assessments. And like one thing I'm really, really excited for, DJ Johnson, you've seen it. He's been phased from the offensive side of the ball to the defensive. 
but I've heard from uh, my sources he's just poised to take a huge step. So really, really excited to see what he can do and just really excited to see how this coaching staff comes together. You talk about um, the coaching carousel um, and like NIL obviously makes like the coaching carousel and the portal that much more volatile. And um, it's just good to see Oregon coaches or all you can really go by is what you hear. And so far they seem to have like a good grasp on it. They're doing well in the transfer side. They're doing okay in the recruiting side. So, I mean, they're just doing their thing and they're going to get their footing. Um, and we haven't even seen them play yet. But there's just a lot of buzz and a lot of things to be excited about. And that's all you can really do right now is speculate. Yeah, it is, you know, kind of speculation early on until we see Oregon play someone else and we see Oregon's other opponents play somebody else. So we have a sample size, something to go off of. One position group, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here, Eric. One position group that I'm really, really intrigued by is the wide receivers for Oregon heading into this coming year. Um, I know that we you didn't really get to see much live action, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you got to see some guys running around, you know, catching passes, um, you know, from these, these uh, quarterbacks that Oregon has, Ty Thompson, Bo Nix, Jay Butterfield. I know Kyler Casper is a new guy that that is out there as a um, well. He's not an early enrollee because when he got there, but he did reclassify from 2023. He's someone that I think we'll probably see some more of in, in fall camp, right? Isaiah Crocker is uh, a very experienced guy that comes back looking to make a big mark, and then you have your Troy Franklin's, your Dante Thornton's, Chase Coda. Just what what are you what are your kind of thoughts on the wide receiver group heading into this year, and, and maybe just kind of what you were able to see from them in fall camp so far. Yeah, so it's been impressive. We have not seen much of um, like live rep wide receiver work so far. We've seen them do other types of things. We've seen them um, work on blocking various other things. We're yet to really see them run routes and catch balls. So I can't speak too much about all that. But what I can say is you've got Coda coming in. Um, obviously, you lose Johnny, lose um, Deep Thread, um, Williams. Jalen Red. Oh, Devin Williams. Yeah, yep. J- J- Devin Williams and, and Red. So you got a lot of room for these young guys who really did shine against Oklahoma. Like they caught some huge balls. Um, Chris Hudson really excited for, but also Seven McGee's one who like you just kind of can't skip. He's so explosive or he's been so explosive. One of those guys who kind of goes viral in high school just for doing crazy stuff, um, like mossing his friends and whatnot at 11 or at 77 camps and whatnot. And um, just talking to him at media day, he's so excited to get out there and play. He talked about Dillingham and matchups. He talked about how Dillingham he trusts to put him and the other receivers in positions to beat their matchup and then go make big plays. And that's something that Oregon fans kind of remember. Um, Oregon fans remember the big plays that it's kind of gone away. We, whereas it was a very like incremental 10 yards by 10 yards drive down the field offense. And um, just hearing McGee talk about big plays and his uh, like long to go be explosive was really, really exciting. He, um, he has before and he has continuously kind of talked about his longing to be like D'Anthony Thomas and just, Anytime you get somebody saying those words around Eugene, Oregon, it's going to be an exciting uh, prospect. Yeah, I think that's the, the comparison that we've heard since McGee first committed, you know, way back when, like three years ago. He was someone who committed super early in the process. Um, and I think that I like that comparison, but kind of the point that I've been saying a lot more recently about that is like Oregon needs someone to be so special that they become, you know, that next, um, that next seven McGee or that next Chris Hudson or whoever it is like they need someone to be that kind of a generational talent that next person who sets the bar um just because it's been a while since they kind of really had the the top top you know player you got Marcus Mariota who won the Heisman obviously so that's someone you can come you know talk about quarterbacks with Justin Herbert as well Royce Freeman Kenyon Barner Dylan Mitchell is a, a receiver that catches your eye recently right so um definitely really excited to see how 
things pan out with, with Seven McGee and how he gets involved this year after being one of three wide receivers to turn in a 100-yard receiving performance in the spring game. Have one more question we want to get to, Eric, then we'll get you out of here. This one comes to comes to us from Ducks Focus. Do you think McVeigh will come to Oregon? So that question, of course, is uh, in reference to Miles McVeigh, the 2023 offensive lineman out of East St. Louis. Um, he has Oregon in his top five, top six, I believe. I've talked to him a couple of times throughout his recruitment, and he's really spoken highly of the Oregon staff. I feel like Oregon's definitely in the running here, but it really feels like Alabama has picked up some some pretty significant steam in that recruitment with McVay set to announce his college commitment on August 11th. Um, Oregon is, is definitely still looking for their first offensive lineman in the 2023 hall. I think that has to be a major position of emphasis, position of focus this year. Um, and, and I think that if you, you, you want to get things rolling that offensive line, you're getting some guys in the defensive line in the trenches on that side of the ball. But, uh, I think that, you know, you're waiting to see who that first offensive lineman is going to be in 2023, seeing that the most recent guy that they got on the offensive line was Josh Connerly, I believe. So definitely a big name to follow up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Football's won and lost in the trenches. You saw that with Cristobal and the emphasis that he put on it. Um, some people say it was too much of running the football and too much up front, but I mean, you can never overemphasize um, having a good line. So with McVeigh, I mean, anytime you're recruiting against Alabama and uh, A&M, you see what Jimbo did with the class of 2022. Like, they really do go after their guys. So it's good to be um, just like the type of school that's up there with those other um, kind of wolves of recruiting the teams that go after and get the best players. So it's good that Oregon's in that conversation. Um, McVay would obviously be a great uh, compliment to go along with Manning and Dickey or not, not Manning. What I say uh, more and Dickey. So um, very exciting there too. All right. Yeah. So I think that I, I'm not as confident in, in McVay ending up at Oregon as I was maybe last month, a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, the recruiting dead period obviously was, was something that any school is going to have to battle. Uh, Oregon did get that last visit that I'm aware that he took um, in, in late June, but we got to get Eric out of here and we're going to go ahead and wind down the show. But before we do that, Eric, where can people find more of you, whether it's, you know, your social media or, you know, where you're doing your writing, uh, definitely want to give you a chance to plug that. Um, appreciate it. Um, so I'm, I'm right here with Ducks Digest. I'm with Max. Um, you can find us online at Ducks Digest. I'm also with the Eugene Daily Emerald, the school newspaper, and I'm with Duck TV Sports, the school sports broadcast group. And um, all that can be found on their respective Twitters. And if you just go to my Twitter, um, at Eric Berniker, find a way to throw a link or something there so that folks can find me. But I'll be at um, I'll be at fall camp and I'll be tweeting and writing stories as they come out. And just can't wait to give fans a better insight into what's going on because it's a very exciting time as the landing area gets underway. Yes, sir. So make sure you guys tap in with Eric and uh, follow him on all his social media platforms. Twitter being main one for us. If you guys want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter right there at mtorresports. For you guys watching here in the live chat, please do me a big favor. Take a second out of your day, smash the like button, smash the subscribe button, uh, and then hit that notification bell so you don't miss out on future Oregon football and recruiting live streams. A big thank you to Eric for taking some time out of his day to hop on here and give us the latest updates from fall camp. Uh, he's, I think, going to go talk to some uh, players now uh, out in Eugene post-practice press conferences. So we'll make sure to keep you guys updated there. But uh, appreciate you guys for tuning in, taking some time to talk some ball with us, and we will catch you in the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.